available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. John Wilner coined it Black Saturday for the Pac-12, David. So we got to recap what was going on there. Uh, not a great overall record for the Conference of Champions in the out-of-conference. A couple big wins, but outside of that, wasn't so great. We have a lot of questions. We got... To recap all the week three games, we have to preview all of week four. If you want to email us uh, any kind of questions, podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678 or tweet us at Pac12Podcast. The website is always Pac12Podcast.com. You can go to Reddit and talk with other Pac12 fans, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. And of course... On Apple Podcasts, we want that five-star rating. We love it. We want those. We love them. And we're bribing you. Yep. We're going to give you a gift card to Jockey for not 25 bucks. You ever get like your aunt gives you that gift no, card for not like 50 either. $20. Not, not like the standard graduation gift card from like, uh, you know, a cousin. No. Yeah. This is a $100 gift card from 100 Jockey. Bucks. I mean, you can get a, a lot of cool stuff. We, we, exactly we have right. it. Yeah. I'm wearing the underwear right now. So am I. Nice. Uh, so the best reviews, we got to, you know. Basically, ones that you give us five stars and then you trash us the in the funniest way, we'll give you a hundred dollar gift card so to do you, Jockey. Do you remember when I told you we had a few reviews today? Yeah, we have nine that, I, <laughs> that we haven't read yet. Oh God! So we're gonna start with Who Banger, Who Bang Three R, I should say, uh, five star. Uh, David Woods is a one man band and a national treasure. Listening to the right honorable David every week is a joy. He is truly a friend of the noble buffalo. There are occasional guests on the pod, but nobody else of note. News, analysis, picks, and commentary. David Woods does it all with style, class, and without any help. Bless him. <laughs> so he's not winning. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got a really good chance. Uh, this is from Uka Ukama Sama. Thanks for the laughs and sighs. Hey, Dave and Ryan, as a longtime listener of about two years, I've come to appreciate the snark and sarcasm you two often have about Oregon, despite the fact that the Ducks have owned both of your schools for the most part for more than a decade, give or take a couple of years. That being said, as a Duck fan, I am fond of Chip Kelly and glad that Dave is starting to see he can be a good thing, though agreed it's taken a while. However, Dave, I must warn you, he's not above committing violations and agreeing to exit in exchange for reducing your scholarships by half. Maybe that explains the early post-Mariota years into the beginning of Super Mario's tenure. He didn't leave the cupboard empty, but he was the equivalent of a deadbeat dad not paying child support. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to UCLA being the competition and watching the University of Spoiled Children uh, wax poetic about the Pete Carroll, John Robinson, and Jim McKay years. I think he means John McKay. Uh, here's to talking more. Uh, here's to taking more of your top recruits and Chip taking the remainder. I do hope you guys don't go into this rabbit hole of Mario going to USC because why would he go there for recruiting when there doesn't seem to be too many barriers now other than Chip Kelly. Keep up the mediocrity in left-wing ways. Hooray for California not ditching Newsom for Devin Nunez's cow. Be well. 
David from Brooklyn via the Oregon coast. P.S. We do get the Pac-12 network in NYC, so at least you have that market. I don't think he understands recruiting because Chip Kelly's not getting those guys. Good God, no. No, I mean, this is... Good the, God, no. The problem, and I, yeah, I don't think the Mario to USC thing works, but the problem is if USC gets a coach with a pulse... It's not going to be as easy for Mario to take the five stars out of Southern California. What are you trying to imply there about my man, Clay Helton? <laughs> are you saying Good he was a vampire? Though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is from Kyle in Toluca Lake. I uh, actually posted this one on Twitter. Five-star review. Why do I keep doing this to myself? I have downloaded and listened to every single episode that Ryan and David have created. I even watched their origin story, a video of two dorks talking UCLA and USC recruiting in a park. I'm assuming that video led to both now having to stay 300 feet from parks and schools. Their content has never been good, insightful, or interesting. I'm not sure why I never unsubscribed or stopped listening. I'm either a glutton for punishment or David's laziness wore off, and I never put in the effort to unsubscribe. Five the fact stars. That, the fact that you tweeted it, that's the winner, right? Like, It's do, really do, good. Do we need to read the rest? Or? We've got six more. Do we have to read them? Like, we, this there's, some be other, the winner? there's some other good ones. Okay. This is from CT Guys, five stars. Love the interplay, good discussions. How long before Helton can coach at another school? Maybe a place where he might be a better fit, or what about the pros? Yeah, I don't know if he's got another job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He'll be an OC somewhere. Yeah, probably. Or an uh, uh, off- off- offensive assistant for Alabama or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Big Pack Alliance, uh, the best of the worst. As a Big Ten alum who's lived on the West Coast for a decade, I decided this year I was finally going to start following the Pac-12. How best to learn about the teams in conference? A great podcast is surely the answer. Sadly, I found the podcast of champions instead. <laughs> After subscribing for the last several months, I can definitively say I know less about the Pac-12 now than before I started listening. I have a sneaking suspicion that that has something to do with the six minutes of actual football talk that is randomly hidden in each episode, but I could be wrong. Surely, you ask, if you are still listening, the host must be witty and affable guys. That's a hard no unless your definition of witty and affable is a limited subject matter knowledge combined with mimosa-fueled incoherence and an overwhelming Los Angeles bias. This podcast is like a uh, punch to the groin that you know is coming. No matter how bad you think it's going to be, it always ends up somehow being worse. At this point, I'm hoping Pac-12 After Dark is a subtle reference to this show. Going dark because it has more holes than the Oregon State defense. Does that reference make any sense? I wouldn't know because I listened to this podcast. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's really good, too. Dang. Uh, UCLA Homer. Great pod. How do you like Stanford now as a sleeper as they jockey for position in the Pac-12 North? Oregon's got a tough schedule and may need to put on its big boy underwear if it wants to compete with UCLA once or maybe twice. If it weren't for a kickoff return to end the first half last year, they would have lost their drawers on that one, too. So he's really angling for the jockey here. I guess so. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of jockey underwear, underwear references. references. <clears throat> All right, this is from uh, Mike K. Ment. Enjoy your work, always delivered with humor and pretty darn good analysis. An Oregon Duck fan here, but love getting your read on the state of the conference. Mike K., that's far too kind. That's very nice, Mike. Thank you. Uh, this is from Mike H226. Uh, since episode one, I've heard them all. I'm POC head. I remember the pivotal early moment when dutiful Ryan brought his notes on the spring games, and I was like, yes, please. But Dave ridiculed him mercilessly for caring about the spring game. (laughs) Confused like a loyal puppy, Ryan tried to start his spring game reporting a second time and was smacked down again. Now he obediently makes fun of spring football, but football is literally the topic of their show, so feel free to mend your ways, guys. The counterpoint moment was when I got in the car and resumed a newer episode, and Dave was passionately discussing each offense in the Pac-12. He was in a state of absolute flow, completely in fuego. I'm telling you, if Malcolm Gladwell heard this eloquence, he would have written his next book about it. Now we're talking, I said to myself and turned it up louder, but then sadly realized he was answering a question about which Disney princess belonged in each Pac-12 offense. 
So you might not get to hear about the spring game on this podcast, but you'll definitely hear some other weird stuff. And the chemistry is good enough that when you tune into your other podcast that features fanboys, ex-players, or moonlighting commentators or sports journalists, you will be bored out of your mind and flip back to hear from what <laughs> hear from these what team's mascot is best suited to thrive in the Star Wars cantina. <laughs> Keep up the work, guys. Five out of seven stars. Very good. That's another awesome one. That's another really good one. And then finally, uh, J-Cop 3, uh, brief but good. I've never listened to this podcast, and you should too. Yes. See, I mean, potential winners, there are a bunch of good There are three potential winners for me. But I think that Kyle and Talukalik I think Kyle and still... still takes it. Yeah. It was just so brutally perfect. Yeah. So Kyle and Talukalik, you are a winner, but we had two other very good contenders, which in other weeks would have been winners. The big... Big Ten, Pac-12 Alliance, and uh, Mike H226. So good stuff. Like, uh, I mean, even J-Cop. I never, like, short and sweet. Oh, I yeah. love that one. Uh, all of them. But thank you guys so much for doing all of those. Okay. Uh, man, let's get to, real quick, the Survivor Pool. Um, carnage. Just like the Pac-12, there was carnage in the you Survivor bullied, Pool. You bullied me into taking I Arizona. Bull- like, it's really nice to not have to talk about who your picks are every week, especially because you forget. Um, I actually never submitted mine. Matthew just did me a solid by entering it. Oh, well, so you would be out either way. Correct. Uh, so Arizona lost. That means of the 144 people that were eligible, 90 of them had Arizona. <laughs> so there's not many people left. There's 31 people left. So I guess some people also didn't pick. Um, uh, there was a duplicate pick. A couple people, some people didn't pick, but all the losers were picking Arizona. Um, we had some people pick Arizona, Oregon State, Cal, Washington, Stanford, and someone picked Oregon. So, uh, yes. So we still have 31 uh, left. Please do not submit your picks if you are out, because that really makes it hard on Matthew. But thanks, Matthew, for tabulating all of this. Uh, the link is up on the site. Um, hey, David, real quick before we roll into everything. <sighs> The, so John Wilner, our buddy, pointed out, he called it uh, Black Saturday. Uh, 23 and 27 was the out-of-conference uh, record. for. The, Is that good? No, that's not good. Uh, you're power five because you've played at least a half a dozen FCS schools, if not more. And lost to like two or three of them. Two, yeah. <laughs> Some people were thinking there was a, they're, they're getting confused on if there's a FCS loss. There's two FCS, but it's basically what it is uh, – Six Power Five opponents lost. Uh, five Mountain West teams lost to BYU three times. There's wh- wh- how many weeks have there been? There have been three weeks. Yeah, so a, a loss every week to BYU for the Pac-12, plus two FCS opponents. So um, not good. You know the Pac-12 South. But surely these were good FCS teams. <laughs> not an zero and two FCS team. Uh, only winners against the Power Five. <laughs> For Arizona, holy crap. We're going to get to you guys. Um, so bad. So the Pac-12 South lost all of their out-of-conference games, including an FCS school. Pac-12 North beat, I think, three FCS schools. So that's good, I guess. Um, so it it was it was brutally bad in the Pac-12. Like, there wasn't any LSU win. There wasn't any Ohio State win. It was just like... Well, you're talking about all of the like games against Group of Five, but surely the Power Five on Power Five contest went well, right? For the Pac-12 this past weekend, uh, Stanford beat Vanderbilt. Th- that one. There's... What about the other one? <laughs> the other one, not so good. <laughs> we'll get to all those. Yes. Um, holy crapola! But it was uh, it was bad. We got quarterback. 
weird stuff going on. I mean, my Utes, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I thought they'd be good. And we got breaking news. They're poop. Oh, you want to do that? Charlie Brewer gets benched in one game and then quits football. Where the hell is he going to go? He's like a fifth-year senior. I, I mean, how bad? Someone in the, I think it was the Seattle, the, Seattle, the uh, Salt Lake Times or whatever wrote, quarterbacks, Utah is where quarterbacks go to die. <laughs> like, that's the call. Well, like, literally, what is he going to, like, okay, he, he's he's done with football now? I, like, what are you going to do if you're Charlie Brewer? I is it that bad? Like that? I mean, just literally, did he leave at ha- like I got benched? Okay, I'm gonna go to the portal right now. Just like, is there a portal close by? It's like the Matrix. Like you have to find a hard line somewhere. <laughs> Charlie Brewer is walking around the stadium, like looking for the hard line so we could get the hell out of this Matrix. <laughs> what the hell? Oh my god! Yeah, that's that's incredible. That that was truly incredible. I mean, I expected big things from him. He won a bunch of games and. I, I I won't say I expected big things from him. I didn't expect him to quit football after the third game. What <laughs> in the hell? I texted like a, a Utah friend, and I just got like a a flaming dumpster emoji thing back or whatever. It was like, uh, yeah. So the Utes. Um, sometimes when you bring in all those transfers, like it's hard to get some chemistry going. But holy crap, dude! Like they got some stuff to work out. There's a yeah. There's some kinks that need to be worked out, but. Uh, overall our picks, we were both bad three and four. Um, I had the early lead. We only had two games different and, uh, Stanford kind of screwed me at the end. Yeah. Um, you were like really off on that one. What was it? The- uh, Minnesota, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the first <laughs> because game. Because Colorado was favored by two and a half and they lost by 30 scoring zero points. <laughs> like- generating 69 yards of offense or whatever the hell it was. I think it was 63. But yeah, I figured that one would be, uh. Pretty good. Okay. Well, why don't we do our uh, embarrassing Pac-12 roundup? Now, you would think, like, you just mentioned what happened to Colorado. Like, they're probably our number 12 team, right? They weren't last week. Like, but no. But no. no, no. no, I mean, because there's something worse. Arizona Wildcats. Okay, but the something worse here, I don't think, like, okay, they lost to an FCS school, right? But Northern Arizona is bad FCS. Like, you lost to a bad FCS program. Northern Arizona had already lost twice this year to Sam Houston State, and I think it's South Dakota? If you don't know, like, the the uh, you know initials of the school, it's because they're not very good. Right. But the thing is, they had lost those games by, like, a million points. <laughs> like, they lost to Sam Houston State 42-16, to and they lost to South Dakota 34-7. to Like, they were doing to Northern Arizona, these FCS schools, what Power 5 schools should do to an FCS school. They're a bad FCS. Arizona lost 21-19. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the quarterback situation in Arizona is dire. It's a mess. It's an absolute disaster. Where is Grant Gunnell? Where is Grant, where is Grant Gunnell? <laughs> but where is like anybody with any talent? Where is um, Khalil Tate? Somebody. Uh, Will Plummer was awful in this one. They brought in Jordan McLeod. He was, I guess, mildly better. Um, but they have so many questions to answer. Um, defensively, look, were they bad? No. But they should dominate a FCS school of this caliber. And they didn't quite do that. Um, but it was really just offensively, they were a disaster. I mean, Plummer threw t- two picks. Um, just fugly. Absolutely, completely fugly. Um, and when it mattered, they couldn't, they couldn't score points. Um, they scored six in the final, in the second half. Um, just they're 
if things don't change, they're going winless this year. Mm, 15 game losing streak. Like you thought it was going to end in one of the out of conference games. Right. And then maybe get a win against well, somebody. And think about this two weeks ago, they played a competitive game against BYU, which is suddenly looking like a really good team. What in the hell happened? Yeah. BYU looks legit and Arizona like hung with them. Um, you have preseason Arizona winning three games, four. Yeah, you had three. You had them beating Colorado, which could, that, that actually could still and, happen. And Washington. Um, I had them one and 11, so I'm feeling pretty good. I might have overestimated. Jesus. <laughs> just a disaster. I don't, I don't want to talk about them anymore. That's no, awful. no, 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 no. But let's do these rapid fire because we run a time crunch. Today. Yeah. All right. Number the 11 team, and this is our power rankings, by the way, going backwards. Our 11 team. Colorado Buffalo. Honestly, they looked worse to me than Arizona did, but we had to pick the team that lost to the FCS school last. Uh, uh, so they lost 30 to nothing, which I don't think quite like captures what was going on with Colorado. Um, you, can, uh, how about this? Yeah. How many yards do you think Colorado ran for? Um, <laughs> is it a positive? <laughs> it is not. It is negative nineteen. Is the answer to that question? Um, just uh, this was the most um ineffectual uh, offensive attack I think I've ever seen. It was the apotheosis of like Carl Durrell's worst UCLA offense, just at Colorado. Um, if you were watching the game, they are so antiquated offensively. Like there is so much under center going on. Like. You don't see that much under center from even like a triple option offense at this point. Like it was so bad and so many just there's absolutely no deception to the play. We're going off tackle. You're going to have to stop us. And of course, because you're doing it with Colorado level talent, they're going to stop you. Yeah. Um, it was just so bad to watch. This offense is in dire need of an injection of creativity. I don't think they're getting it from this staff. It's really, really bad. I was following the Colorado boards during this. They all want Cheverini fired. I'm concerned, and this was my maiden concern coming into the season, is this is the year where Carl Durrell actually had time to get ready for the season. And he's always, um, he he's a guy who thinks he has an offensive skill set. He's never been a good offensive coordinator. He's never been a good offensive mind. And this feels like it has his kind of fingerprints all over it. Yeah. It does. Uh, well, okay, so under center, don't be too – like, that's going to help your passing game, I would assume. <laughs> it gives the quarterback, like, an opportunity. So they passed against NCU for 102 yards, uh, A&M 89 yards, and then uh, Minnesota 82 yards. So they're almost over averaging 100 yards passing they, per game. They had to In a modern the, college offense, they, that makes sense. They right? had to use two different quarterbacks to get to that 82 <laughs> yards, though. But I will say this: um, people were clamoring for Drew Carter just because he's like not uh, Brendan Lewis. It's yeah. not the quarterback's fault. Like, look, I know it looks like that to Colorado fans. It is not. This is that offense is trash. That scheme is trash. Uh, Drew Carter also threw for three and a half yards per attempt. Like this, the offense is bad. The offensive line, which like I think they returned a bunch of dudes from last year, if I'm remembering correctly, shouldn't look that bad. No, just should not. Um, it's the scheme. Scheme's bad. Uh, and again, I think I've made some incorrect like preseason predictions, but I had Colorado going two and ten, so I'm feeling pretty good about that one right now too. Yeah, no, it's going to be a battle for uh, with Arizona whether you get. Well, actually, you know what? 
You could end up with one wrong because Colorado could go one and eleven, and Arizona gets its one and eleven. There you go. All right, our number ten team, Washington State Cougars. The Chaos Bowl up there. <laughs> yes. Um, so this one was really just kind of a strange game. Um, so Washington State had an early oh, lead. I'm sorry, I should have played. Uh, they were taking on our now number three team. My bad. USC Trojans. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So, so this was a strange game because uh, Washington State had an early lead. Looked like they had control of this one. Um, uh, and USC looked like, you know, kind of the usual USC disaster. I mean, it was 14 nothing Washington State in the first quarter. So you figure, like, even if USC comes back a little bit, Washington State should be able to keep pace, right? You would think. Yeah. So, I mean, it ended up being like a shootout, right? I'm um, sure, like fourteen nothing, they're probably going to score forty five. Ends in that up being yeah, it ends up being like a thirty eight forty five type type win. No, no, no. Those fourteen points were the last points they scored in the game. Um, USC. So Keaton Slovis went down with an injury, um, a neck injury. It was a neck first first series, and uh, yeah, our shotgun talked to him afterwards. He could barely turn, like he had to like turn his body to talk to him. So. Right, but I, he was at practice yesterday. He looked okay. And so. then Jackson Dart comes in, and he looks like ass for like the first series and a half. <laughs> two turnovers, like, and yeah. two turnovers, and his balls are like coming out weird. Like he just looks kind of nervous, and I'm like to the point where I'm already tweeting shit, which is like basically the main way that USC gets good is whenever I start um shit talking on twitter uh and then um basically in the second half but towards the end of the first half he just starts looking like a heisman contender um just and like i was making fun of his arm strength because like the ducks that like were intercepted were like not good throws and then he's just throwing darts like full darts and it's like oh okay i see no pun intended i see why you changed your name to jackson dart um but yeah, no, I mean that the 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 Death Star looked operational in the second half. Um, Jackson Dart looked really good, and Washington State like lost all fire. They, they, I mean, it looked like they just completely freaking quit on the game after halftime. Roll of, I mean, I what the hell is going on there? Like, I don't. They know. they need to fire him. Like, yeah, they one hundred percent need to fire him. I was reading stuff on Twitter about his crazy mom tweeting stuff. I saw that. Like, she was talking about. Yeah, no, they sort about like. You know, his God-given DNA or something oh, like yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that they're going to, like, change his DNA. Like, uh, he needs to go because that's that's a horrible look for the university. Like, he can think whatever he wants, but when you're leading— You can't do it. You, you can't lead Keep all Keep your stuff to yourself. Yeah. Like, even Mike Leach wasn't saying stuff like that. Yeah. He wasn't poor—you know. Like, conspiracy brain cannot win. It cannot win. Coach's brain has Coach to brain win. Coach brain always needs to win. It always needs to be victorious. Brain is winning this one. So, but another like blown lead for Washington State. I think he was asked about that at the press conference. He had he, this he's weird... blown like six leads in like what eight games? And it's it's like he didn't even know. He's like, was that a thing? Is he like he was questioning? Like he didn't even realize that like in the press conference. But um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Washington State's in some trouble. I think very much. So. But they they don't make our bottom two because. There's other teams that are in worse trouble. Because the league is ass. Um, you know, here's a team that I thought would do a hell of a lot better that I'm apparently very wrong on. Utah Utes. At number nine. So the reason they're nine and not like lower is also, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are bad, but also the way they played in the second half looked a lot more like the Utah I think a lot of us were expecting than the way they played in the first half of this yeah. game. Um, basically, once Cameron Rising was in there, and I don't think he was like awesome. But he wasn't a disaster uh, the way Charlie Brewer had been. Um, that helped their offense just be manageable again, like not be a complete cluster. Um, and defensively, they were better in the second half or really in the fourth quarter. Um, but so 
I'm a I'm a mixed um, feelings about this one. I think San Diego State is better than a lot of people expected. Um, I think we can probably say that at this point because they were expected to be like a middle tier Mountain West team this year, um, potentially bottom tier, um, just replacing a lot of dudes and didn't know what Brady Hoke was going to bring to the table. They look better than that to me. Um, they look. Uh, this was a line that was crazy to me. It was Utah minus eight and a half. I think it was when we finally picked it. Um, so we both jumped on San Diego State. Um, yes. So this isn't a big surprise to me. But Utah, I mean, they've got issues. Um, I think most of them are offensive. Um, I think their defense was, you know, it was okay. I think they gave up way too much on quarterback runs, but it was okay. Um, San Diego State started quarterback went out. Yeah. Like, like this was the backup quarterback doing stuff. He wasn't really doing stuff, though. I mean, he threw for two and a half yards per attempt. It was just he was like kind of like he could run a little Colorado bit. Colorado would beg for that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I guess I guess what I'm saying is Utah looks not good right now. Obviously, they're one and two. I could still see that team riding the ship and competing for the South. Yeah, uh, I think Brett. Uh, I think Covey got a punt return touchdown like early in this mm-hmm. one. Um, but I, I the way the San Diego State defensive line played, they played well. Um, the the Utah offensive line has been, you know, there were some questions going into the season, but man, they've been playing pretty terribly. Uh, Cam Rising definitely played better than than Brewer. Um, Utah special teams are usually good, and they've had some major. They've been issues. bad this year. They missed really the, bad. Uh, oh, d- double overtime field goal, I think. Um, and then the two point conversion thing, it was like they called it a conversion for Utah, and then it was reviewed, and the guy didn't catch it. Yeah, and that's another note is like this should have gone to another. OT more than likely. Right. But this is the new rule and uh and that would look like a really low percentage kind of play totally that you're running there. But man, uh, well and they also I mean they gave up a kick return touchdown as well. Like the special teams were bad. Yeah. There's which this is not a thing. So no. should in Utah. This is not should be a thing. But it is a thing and there's a lot of things. And the, yeah, like th- why is Utah nine when they could be worse at one and two? Basically, someone, you know, the pack, like their body's been thrown off the building, but they landed on a whole bunch of other bodies. So that's why they didn't hit the ground. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number eight. This is our former number 12 team. Like, played a pretty bad squad, and we bump them all the way up to number eight. Washington Huskies. <laughs> Tells you everything you need to know about the league. Uh, Washington beat the hell out of Arkansas State, though. It was 52 to three. Um, Washington, if you watch the game, um, they looked more creative offensively. Uh, John Donovan called a much better game. I don't know if they've maybe worked some things out with what they're doing with play calling, what they're trying to do, or if it was just kind of a weird game where they're playing an under-talented team. Um, but if that's the case, they should have looked a lot better against Montana, too. I think they did change some things. Um, Dylan Morris looked better, um, and the running game looked better. Um, and defensively, they you know snuffed the life out of that running game um, and really didn't allow them much through the air either. Um, Arkansas State's not good, um, no. but Washington beat the hell out of them the way they should have beat the hell out of Montana in Week One. So, if they put together a couple more weeks of this, I'll be ready to like kind of recalibrate and move them back into the that top tier of contenders yeah. um, because they do have talent, they do have ability. It's just uh, John Donovan, um, you know, is a bad offensive coordinator who. Um, should should have been fired after week two, but maybe <laughs> maybe he figured it out. Who knows? I think you tweeted John Donovan, greatest offensive coordinator ever. <laughs> I put a little note there. Um, it was in the rain too. Yeah, and I I was reading. I forget which publication came out. It might have been the Athletic or something. But they do like their bottom twenty five teams, and 
Arkansas State's in there. Yeah. So um, some of the Pac-12 wins came from that group, the FCS or the bottom five. Like Vanderbilt was in there. Arkansas State was in there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, nice. I guess John Donovan's back. He's he's awesome. I'm, I'm just like, yeah, this is, should what, this is what should have happened against Montana. It didn't. Um, so now we'll see kind of where they go from here. But. You hope that they righted the ship, but I'm I'm not uh, I'm not jumping on the uh, Huskies bandwagon right now. No, uh, this is crazy that they're all the way up here. Our number because they don't look very good. Our number seven team, California Golden Bears. <laughs> no, Cal looks like crap, and they look like crap in this game too. Um, they won forty-two to thirty, uh, way closer than it needed to be. Um, they couldn't stop Sac State throwing the ball. Um, just they get four hundred Sacramento State. Yeah, this is what like it was like going back and forth. Yeah, they they gave up 408 passing yards to Sac State. Like, yai, yai, yai. that's yikes. That's real yikes. Because again, Sac State, you're like, okay, I've heard of them before. Are they a good? Um, are they a good uh, FCS school? No, no, they're not. They lost to UNI. What the hell is UNI? Northern Iowa by 18 the previous week. So no, this shouldn't have been a competitive game. Um. Yeah, I mean, Cal, uh, Chase Garbers looked okay. Um, they ran the ball pretty well. They stopped the run okay, uh, but they gave up a ton in the passing game. It was just, uh, they shouldn't look that bad against a team like Sac State. No. Nope. shouldn't happen. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to put a lot of stock into all these. I mean, this you're, no, this is just terrible. Like, you, you can't, like, there's no line the, the, on this game. The and- bottom half of the conference sucks, and so that's why Cal is seventh. That's it. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could argue there's some more suckiness above. <laughs> there is. I mean, it, we had a real hard time ranking everything after one. Yeah, pretty much after one. Yeah. Uh, even the bottom, it was you, there was arguments for. But uh, yeah, Cal, let's see what you do in conference play. Uh, our number six team, and there's some news for this team. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> you breaking the news? They're number six. Uh, well, no, just... I was at Doug Haller, I think, um, reported today that they could be starting to interview Arizona coach, Arizona State coaches uh, as cl- or as soon as next month. So it's news that you like, like potential, like whatever. But great. Um, so it sounds like we might find some more about this NCAA investigation during the season. Yeah. Well, ASU got its ass kicked by BYU. Um, uh, Jaden Daniels threw a couple of picks. Uh, didn't look sharp. Um, they ran the ball okay. But uh, BYU um, looks a lot better than I was expecting. They look so good that uh, the, 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 the Romney nephew threw a touchdown pass. He did. That's his nephew, right? Like, I think yeah. so. It's yeah. like a nephew or a grandnephew or something. Yeah. Um, a lot of turnovers. Not I mean, good. Was, yeah, not good. There was, um, I think. Two fumbles, lost, two picks. 114 penalties? It was something like that. It was it was in that neighborhood. Hey, but I, I heard Herm said it's gonna get fixed, and so it's fixed. That's that's a Clay Helton thing. Or like, oh, yeah. We had a meeting about like we had oh 15 penalties. We had a meeting. Sixteen oh. penalties for 121 yards. Seems seems excessive. Uh how many yards did Colorado have in their game? Like is this They outgained, I think they they more or less doubled up Colorado's offensive output. And just penalty yards. Yeah. Uh very nice. Um, so that's actually a way Colorado could win that game against ASU. Yeah, and big plays. BYU just had some big plays. That double reverse touchdown mm-hmm. thing was pretty nice. Um, it just looked like BYU knew what they were. They look very well coached. Yeah. The the play of the game was it was momentum shifting, too. That The interception, Arizona State gets the interception, returning it down the sideline, and that, that baller for BYU just comes down. 
and like Tomahawk chops the ball out and gets it back. Yep. And even though the, the Arizona State runner was clearly out of bounds before he fumbled, and they didn't, you know, they didn't review that or check that out. Don't like, worry about the rules. Right. Um, um, I, I, yeah. If, if USC gets past, um, like if Jeff Fisher says no, Jack Del Rio says uh-huh. no, if Clancy Pendergast says no, if Norm Chow <laughs> says no, uh, if John Robinson says no, right, to the third time around, Kalani Sataki? Uh, Bruce Feldman throw his name out there for sure. Because um, I mean, no, ex- no one was expecting this BYU team to be this good. They lost to like every team like returns everybody. Except for BYU. They lost everybody. Yeah, like Alabama and BYU. Like we're the only teams in the country that lost and they're doing well. Maybe sometimes you just need to clean house. Like, I think that's a guy like Sataki would murder at USC. He probably would. Um, I mean, You're talking about toughness. Yeah. Yeah. He's... So you don't, I mean, obviously, you gotta you gotta make the calls to the right, NFL right. guys first. Like if Pendergast, it's gonna be hard <laughs> to get past him, but Sataki, uh, pretty good. But yeah, ASU. I mean, we Pen- got you Pender- the- Pendergast might be waiting on something better. You're talking about yeah. a Rose Bowl defensive coordinator. True, uh, it's Super Bowl. A Super Bowl defensive coordinator. Here's a Super Bowl. Um, yeah. Okay. So the team that lost to BYU pretty badly is our number six team. <laughs> that tells you where we're going. Uh, Next up, number five. Oregon State Beavers. You can make a strong argument that Oregon State's the number two team in the league. Why not? Like, why the hell not? Because they lost to Purdue. Purdue looks fine. Yeah. Like, the, the Purdue loss is a road n- loss. absolutely nothing to sneer at at this point in this <laughs> league. Uh, Oregon State beat the hell out of Idaho. 42-0. All they needed to do, they were fine. Chance Nolan looked the way a quarterback should look against a team like that. They ran the ball okay. They shot him down. It was great. Nothing... We don't want to talk about your FCS game. When we talk about your FCS game, it usually means it was bad. This wasn't bad. You did what you needed to do. They scored 45 and 42 in the last two weeks, and we've seen teams struggle against you know inferior opponents. So Oregon State's great. They're playing pretty good football right now. Most importantly, they just look well-coached, as they always have under Jonathan Smith. They just look like a well-coached football team. They, yeah, like they might not have the best players all the time, but they're going to you know, They're going to throw out some, some schemes. They're, they're not going to look stupid in a weird game. Um, it's weird. Like one of our reviewers, uh, the five-star reviewer said, took a shot at the Oregon state defense that just shut out a team. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, like, dude, they shut somebody out. Like, you don't, don't make fun of them, man. All right, Beavs. Uh, let's go. Our number four team, which it's going to be tough for David. UCLA Bruins. Um, yeah, UCLA <laughs> lost at home to Fresno State, forty to thirty-seven, extending Fresno State's win streak in this rivalry. We'll call it a rivalry now. Uh, to four, uh, they've won four straight over UCLA. <laughs> that seems. Are they? They're they're Mountain West, right? <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Um, yeah, so uh, it was. Um, I guess you could p- call it fun um, if you didn't care uh, about, like, if you weren't a UCLA person. I guess it was a fun game. Oh yeah, late. It was a disaster, just absolute awful. Um, just uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson did another one of his little magic tricks where he loses the ball for no apparent reason, like just yeah. this fumble where it's just like, oh, it literally flew like it just flew backwards. Butter like, what the hell? <laughs> um, uh, Chase Coda had like literally the weakest fumble I've ever seen from actual contact. Like the guy basically tapped the bottom of the ball and it just went boop straight out of his hands. Um, yeah, UCLA was just uh, twice they jumped off sides on a fourth and one where Fresno State had lined up to punt and then quickly got tight to go for it. Yeah. And UCLA didn't even contest it. They just jumped off sides. 
twice in the game. Twice. Yeah. Those are those are basically turnovers. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson at one point he had a fourth and one um, after he'd already QB sneaked on third and three and got two yards. Like UCLA's offensive line was getting surge on those short yardage. Push, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and instead of following his blockers through the A gap, like what the play was designed to do, he elects to take the next QB sneak out uh, where there's no blocking <laughs> on a QB sneak again. So everyone's tight, including the defenders, right? Yeah. So they're ready to line up and and just drive into the backfield. And so he gets tackled. I think it might have been for a half yard loss on a quarterback sneak, which is insane to watch. Like yes. absolutely maddening. <laughs> Um, but that was the bad. The good side, uh, the offense really did explode late. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson actually made some really good throws. Um, uh, they just uh, defensively could not stop Jay Kaner. They were doing this really fun thing where they would go basically cover zero, uh, but then the cornerbacks would line up like 15 yards back from the line of scrimmage, which is a really interesting strategy when you don't have NFL cornerbacks. Um, and so naturally, Jay Kaner, who's an effective quarterback, maybe good, uh, probably good. Um, former Washington Jake, um, yeah, he just took what was given to him over and over and over again. And then late in the game, UCLA just decided it forgot how to tackle. Um, so that was all she wrote. Uh, UCLA went ahead 37-33 uh, with 54 seconds to go in the game. Mm. Um, and then Fresno State drove down the field, didn't even use all the time. <laughs> and they did it in like five or six plays. Like they they were able to just dink and dunk it and get out of bounds like on five straight plays before yes. throwing the touchdown. Disaster. Absolutely disaster defense. Yeah. Jake Hayner, um, is he the best quarterback in the Pac-12? Like, he was a stud. He was great. He was great. Don't get me wrong. Did UCLA help him help him be great? Yes, very much so. He literally left his hip, like, on the 25-yard line Dude. or something. He, I'm like, if so. Oh, and so, okay, so he gets hurt, right? He gets yeah. hurt on the penultimate touchdown drive, like the second-to-last one for Fresno State. Um and he's hurt, like obviously hurt, like limping around. And look, I don't want people to get hurt in football, right? I right. Don't, I don't want them to continue to get hurt. I don't want obviously injured people to get hurt. UCLA then spends the final drive for Fresno State rushing three or four every single play. You've got a hurt quarterback there, and you're going to rush three or four. Yeah. You're not going to pressure him into anything or try to get after him or anything like that. Insane. He had, uh, I think he was down to one hit point. Like he was just, there. it was almost over. And they had a little bit of healing potion left on the side. Yeah, yeah. Like that was like literally like if the die, like it was on the edge. And like if he rolled a 19 instead of a 20, like he was dead. And, uh, but somehow he came back out there. It was some heroics. I mean, pretty impressive from him. And Fresno State looks like a legit team, you know? I don't know if you're convinced, but they look like pretty I legit. just made a jerking off motion. Okay. So uh, Fresno State, uh, big win. It's Pac-12, like most P- most uh, programs did. <laughs> uh, number three, we talked about USC. This is our number two team <laughs> the that, that I like to call butt, but uh, and we're still not convinced they're any good. But they are our number two team. Stanford Cardinal. Yeah, I don't know how to deal with this one because Stanford might actually be good. I'm not ready to like fully say that, but um, I told you, I asked RJ and he doesn't think they're good. Like I, I still don't think they're good. But are they the best of the heap of crap underneath Oregon? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see this. Honestly, this weekend will be a good tell when we talk about the Stanford-UCLA game. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Tanner McKee, once again, looked pretty good. Uh, the running game, once again, looked pretty good. Again, it was against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's really bad. They're worse than a lot of FCS schools that, you, that, 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 that the league has played this year. Um, and the defense for Stanford is still not good. Um, like, 
Vanderbilt was able to run for a lot of yards in this one. Um, but offensively, you know, it looks like it's starting to look more like one of those Stanford teams that's able to um, just kind of win shootouts, which has been actually more the case than not in the last five years. They haven't had a good defense now in four or five years. Um, and this is starting to maybe have the look of that with Tanner McKee kind of coming into his own and looking a little bit better. So, yeah, I don't know. They've got their usual assortment of just like big, strong dudes at receiver um, and Tanner McKee slinging them the ball. That might be enough for them to win quite a few games in the Pac-12 this year. I think so. Uh, we'll see. Um, I'm not convinced that they're they're good, but that was a you know a good win. If you remember, like it's late in the second quarter, it's 14 to 14. You know, mm-hmm. Vanderbilt's not that good, but they drove down the they drove down the field pretty good. Um, I thought they ran the ball well. I think Stanford kicks a field goal and makes it 17 14. Then then Vanderbilt throws a really bad like there's like less than a minute left or something. They throw a bad interception. Um, or there's like a minute and a half left or something. Bad interception, Stanford touchdown, boom. So now it's like, it was 14-14, now it's 24-14. They get the ball back, they try to do something, and then they have to, Vanderbilt has to punt. Stanford gets a big punt return and gets an extra field goal. It was 14-14 with like less than three minutes left, and all of a sudden it's 27-14, and then it was just like, that's the kind of thing that's just a bad, I don't think other teams are going to do that and kind of gift Stanford like, Two touchdowns, essentially. And you were particularly angry about that. I was very angry because I had uh, you, you know, the Commodores Mandy. plus, yeah. you know, plus 12, and 12 and a half or whatever. And they just gave away 13 points in the last three minutes before the half. So you kind of knew at that point. Um, but is Stanford good? I I still don't see it, but they're playing better than, than a bunch. So, uh, all right, we got one last team, our number one team. Oregon Ducks. <laughs> Yeah, they hung around. I mean, Stony Brook hung around for like the first half, but then it ended up being what it needed to be, 48-7 Oregon. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was whatever. I mean, sometimes in these games, especially in a letdown spot, you're going to be a little slow starting out in the next game, in the next game. It was a monsoon game, too. Yeah, so weird stuff happens. It's, uh, you know, if you got coming off the... uh the hangover from Ohio State, I have no problems with that, but... They won 48-7, to who cares? They won... They didn't cover, because the line ended up being, we didn't get to it on our show because it hadn't yet been posted it was 42 oh so it didn't quite they didn't quite cover yeah so something called stony brook played oregon and they're the last undefeated team still because of the win of ohio state they still have a chance but the fact that the rest of the pac-12 is down is not going to help oregon's chance to make the college football playoff no they probably need to they, they need to get through it with one loss or none you know the good thing if they play like one of the better you know Pac-12 teams this week. I think that'll help, like build some momentum into the conference. Hit. So we'll get to that whenever we'll see. You know, <laughs> uh, okay. Let's do our week four picks. Like we said, we have kind of limited time today. We got a lot of questions and stuff. But uh, our first game of the day is Washington State Cougars going to Utah Utes. All right, this is on Saturday at 11:30 a.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Washington State traveling to Utah. Both teams are one and two. Uh, Utah is a 14-point favorite in this game. Um, it's so I, I love the line because I was like... I don't know which way to go on it, but I, I'm going to go Utah because okay. I think Washington State more or less quit in that second half against USC. And I don't know how much ability Nick Rolovich has to rally the troops. Yeah, uh, I initially thought Utah, and I switched it to Washington State. Um, the problem is like Washington state could be up early and then just blow, mm-hmm. blow the game. 
Um, they've already had some issues with, um, you know, backup quarterbacks, and that's what you're going to get in this one from Utah. So, yep. but I think it's just it's a lot of points. You know, like I'm, it's just too many points. Is it? Because how many did they just lose by to USC? I know, but that was at home. This is on the road. Oh, okay, so it should be better, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could go either way because Utah has, certainly hasn't looked great, but they it seemed like they figured some things out maybe late against San Diego State. So I'm interested to see if they can rally now. And they've also had the weird thing. You know, Charlie Brewer quitting the team. If he was like a negative influence, you know, being a transfer in, Cameron Rising's more of a more of a been-around guy, at least. I mean, he was going to be the starter to start next last year. Um Maybe that rallies them a little bit, and they start looking like the Utah we were expecting. All right, I'm gonna hate myself. I'm gonna agree with you. I'll take Utah too. You're doing it. I'll I've convinced it. you to you do it. You convinced me. God, it's just it's painful to like. Oh yeah. Have to like think Utah's gonna cover by two touchdowns. You know. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, no, next up is the one I have no friggin' idea about. This one we got UCLA Bruins going on the road to take on Stanford Cardinal. All right, so this is a 3 p.m. or also on the Pac-12 network, so you get to stay on the dead network for two straight games to start the day. Uh, UCLA is a four-and-a-half-point road favorite over Stanford. Um, so this is a tricky one for me because knowing the losses, so UCLA lost Quentin Lake, um, their safety, probably their best defensive back um, in the last game against Fresno State. They lost Otito Igbonia, their uh, best defensive tackle as well. Um, neither guy looks like a guaranteed out for this game, but also I would bet neither is back for this game. So then um, the, the the tricky part is thinking about how Stanford is going to match up against those UCLA defensive backs because the strength of the Stanford team now appears to be that passing attack. Uh, can UCLA disrupt Tanner McKee? Is he the kind of guy who can be disrupted? He's still very new to playing in college football, but he's also old. I mean, he went on a, you know, he went on his mission um, I think he's already in his early 20s. Um, like he's a, you know, he's a maturish dude. Um, and now he's got game reps under him. So um, it's a tricky one for me. Uh, Stanford's rush defense has been bad. And I think UCLA should be able to run the ball. I think it'll be a shootout type game. Uh, at four and a half, I'll take UCLA. It, I think it opened at UCLA minus six or it wasn't UCLA minus six. And at that point, I probably would have taken Stanford, but I'll take UCLA. Wow. Okay. We'll disagree on this one. Um, so what? So what's happened the last few times that UCLA played Fresno State? Like they haven't won. No. What about USC's record against UCLA's record against Stanford? They won one a couple years ago. Now, did it require Jack West starting that football game? <laughs> yes. But we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I like the Cardinal <laughs> at home. I uh, still don't think they're going to be that good. But I think they're gonna. You know, I, that, that I think crowd gets I think crazy. it's gonna be a shootout. Like I think it could go literally either way because Stanford's defense really hasn't stopped anybody either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me give me uh, give me the Cardinal, and then it'll be good. So if I'm wrong, then I'm like, okay, see, I told you Stanford's butt. And if I'm right, I get the pick right. So that's, that's right. I think I. Yeah. I'm, no. If if Stanford wins this one, then I will be ready to say uh, Stanford's good. They're better. Um, I'll have to check with RJ again because he still wasn't convinced either. Okay. Next up, we have California Golden Bears. Going north to Seattle, take on Washington Huskies. Yet another goddamn Pac-12 network game. There is not a non-Pac-12 network game until 7.30 p.m. Cal traveling to Washington. Uh, both teams are one and two. 
which is a refrain you'll hear a lot. Uh, Washington's a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, give me Washington, hundred uh, percent here. I think Cal has looked uh, awful. Uh, Washington um, at least showed signs of life last week. Uh, Cal has not really at all this year. So give me Washington. Um, I think maybe they righted the ship a little bit last week against Arkansas State, and uh, frankly, Cal's bad. Dude, Cal's getting more than a touchdown. Like, You're taking Cal? Of course. You're taking Cal on the road at Chase, Washington Chase. with just... I mean, Washington didn't score seven points in a game <laughs> <laughs> against a worse team. So, yeah, give me Cal. Call me recency bias, but they actually looked okay against Arkansas State. Yeah, Cal won? They Sac not. State's le- not good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. This is a, it's a freaking, like, this is a mess. Like, this whole conference is a it's mess. It's such shit. <laughs> it's, it's, like, I feel like when things, you, we get, like, by watching the games, you get in a groove, and, like, there's not a groove, like, for this. No, like, no, no. God, no. God, no. My, figure my evaluation of every single team has changed from week to week. It's in this. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay. This one. It'll be good. Next one. Oh. Arizona Wildcats. Go on to Austin to play. Oregon Ducks. Uh, 7.30 game on ESPN. Arizona at number three, Oregon. Arizona's 0-3. Oregon is 3-0. Oregon is a 28.5-point favorite, and I don't think I've taken a team as a uh, four-touchdown favorite yet this year. Uh, give me Oregon. Uh, you could give me Oregon. I think you could almost give me the Stony Brook line. You yes. could almost give me 42. I Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, there's no way. Like, now watch Arizona play them tough somehow. I, I, I honestly, I hope they do, but they're no, no, they're just <laughs> not going to. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, there's, I don't know what I'm going to say about this. This is, uh, no, it, it, it'll be a bloodbath and hopefully it's just over quickly. Yeah. This is one of those things like just hope to, for, hope for it to end and it'll be over. Uh, next one Colorado Buffalo. <laughs> They'll be in Tempe taking on. Arizona State Sun Devils. All right, this one's on at 7.30 on ESPNU. Colorado traveling to ASU. Colorado's 1-2. and two. ASU's 2-1. and one. ASU's a 14.5-point favorite, which is interesting to me. Colorado's defense is actually okay. Uh, they were on the field way, way, way too long against Minnesota. Um, that Colorado offensive performance was bad. Um, I don't think it's going to be that bad again. Um Still be pretty bad though. Both defenses are good. Herm Edwards is predisposed to play like single score games. Yep. I'll take Colorado in the points. I, I think ASU wins this by like 10, um, but I think they'll just be content to sit on the ball after a little while. And the half point there is what's what's killing me because I think ASU could win this by two touchdowns, but doing more than that requires Herm like being like interested in a blowout, which I don't know that he'll be interested in doing. Yeah, I think Colorado's butt, but I think they're going to come back. And play a little bit better in this one. Yeah, there's still more uncertainty going on in the Arizona State program, as we talked about. And Herm Edwards likes to play, especially the conference games, close. So yeah, that's a lot of points. Yeah, so, so Colorado plus fourteen and a half. Give me points. Uh, all right, and then the capper, we've got Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> They'll be in L.A. taking on USC Trojans. All right, seven thirty on on Fox Sports One. Oregon State uh, two and one traveling to USC two and one. USC is an eleven point favorite. The analytics will tell you that USC should be favored by a lot more in this one, but Oregon State's looked um, 
again, a lot better than I think preseason analytics would have predicted as they've looked basically every year under Jonathan Smith. Um, and they look well coached and USC has some quarterback issues because Jackson Dart uh, was hurt, right? Yeah. Last game and he may not be available. Yeah. He so still hasn't practiced, right? He So Tuesday, we're recording this Wednesday morning. He did not practice on Tuesday and yeah. we weren't getting Dante Williams is not saying much about injuries. He's like, he's hope he'll be there tomorrow which would be wednesday right um, so keaton slovis is playing the uh what, what was jt daniels's role in this uh quarterback controversy two right. years ago um and he's not as good as jackson dart uh i think pretty uh you know somewhat apparent um so i'll take oregon state plus 11 uh i'm gonna agree with you there i think slovis looked fine to me in practice it looked like he was gonna you know just he had a neck stinger or something that was like he couldn't play that day but he should be fine um and they got Miller Moss backing him up. But I, yeah, I feel like I'm going to get back to, I, I think Oregon State's offense has been feisty. It's a lot of points. Um, you know, I think USC's going to win, but it might be by a touchdown or something. So I'll take Oregon State and the points here. Um, we'll see, like, how they handle what it's been a weird, you know, whatever, 10 days since Clay Helton got fired. Um, and then you kind of add the quarterback controversy thing. Slovis is back. What does he feel about all the hype around Dart? And then if Dart's not available, or if he is, and Dart ends up starting, like there's just some uncertainty and stuff there. Yeah, too, I so. think how Dante Williams handles it will be a real test case for him as the eventual head coach for USC going forward. <laughs> if um, Clancy says, well, that. obviously, if Clan- it, I mean they've got to work <laughs> through some other names first, but obviously, um, removing the interim tag is a big option for yeah. USC. All right, so those are all the games. Six games now. Um, Real quick, the AP poll only had two Pac-12 teams, Oregon and UCLA. Is that that's pretty bad, right? You have Oregon like three and UCLA at twenty-four. Not good, not good. Probably not good. And then uh, the Pac-12 announced another. I figured since this helped us with jockey, we should probably just mention this. Uh, Allegiant Airline, uh, that's the uh, official airline partner of the Pac-12. So it's a budget airline. Um, they're you know they sponsor the the Vegas Bowl and stuff right like the they're the new Las Vegas uh, Allegiant Stadium in uh, Las Vegas any thoughts on that that that's you know not like United or American like Allegiant Allegiant I love it wait we should say we have to trash them and then they like okay email uh, us and say I've heard nothing good about that airline give us free tickets it's a terrible stuff. airline yes uh, why would you partner with them right why would you ever do that they sell underwear right <laughs> Seriously, Allegiant, if you want to, like, you know, you guys... If you want us to correct the record, let us know. We can can give away some discount codes or something on the show if you want. Just, you know, we'll shill for you. So just (laughs) buy some airline tickets. So just uh, reach out on an airplane. Reach out to us. But, uh, okay, so let's take a quick break. We'll come back and get to as many questions as we can. We got some limited time. I got some humanitarian work to do, David. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, yeah. uh, And you got something. Who knows? (laughs) All right. They brought a dog in the studio, by the way. There's a dog here. If you hear yeah. any leashes, we have it. Like very good. Like no, uh, hasn't peed on no anything. No bark. Yet. I don't think we've seen pee. Yet. I haven't smelled it. Maybe, maybe in the other room. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be back. We'll be back with questions. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present a Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. All right. We're back here on the podcast of 
champions. We got a voicemail from our buddy Evan. You want to start with that? Sure. Hey guys, this is Evan from Tempe. Uh, I called like in the beginning of the off season this past year talking about how I don't think her network is a good coach. Uh, I still don't. And so I've never really wondered about like, oh, when's he going to be on the hot seat or anything like that? Cause I, I realistically knew there was no chance, uh, they would fire him after last year or any of the years. But, um, I finally for the first time started seeing other fans being frustrated with him. Um, which I haven't seen since he was hired. You know, a lot of people didn't like to hire, but I've been like the only fan that I've ever seen actually call him out consistently. Um, and so I think that this team will be better than they were last year. But I'm just curious. I mean, if you cheat, you got to win, you know, and, and he's obviously been cheating. So it would kind of be bad if they were just making marginal improvements and not, you know, having like a big time year. So I just want to know, you know, what is, what is, what could happen? For him, that was lose his job. You know, is that possible if they go seven and five again, or six and six, or whatever? Um, I think they'll go like seven and five, eight and four, or whatever, somewhere in that range. But I just want to know your thoughts. So thank you, guys. What do you think? I think. Uh, I mean, I think the big. It's not going to be about how the team does as much as. I mean, that'll have something to do with it. But it's going to be the investigation. I think that's going to be the bigger aspect of it. And if it's like. Well, there's a lot of smoke, but not much fire. But the team goes six and six, then maybe they do move on anyway. Um, you know, if he goes nine and three or something, you know, maybe then you have to. Well, if it's really bad, then we can still fire him. I, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of factors in play, so you can't yeah, just I look at the record. The investigation puts the uh, puts firing on the table, um, but it's going to be dependent on what they actually do this year. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of questions. Uh, do you, she was, she where were we? Let's like, try to rapid fire. them. I think, I think, I don't think we did this one. Anthony, um, Ryan and Dave, in your opinion, would Chase Garbers be the number one quarterback at USC or UCLA? No, I don't think so. Neither one. Yeah. Um, even though I love them. All right. NIL sponsorships. This is from Sparky's roommate. If each of you were a Pac-12 player these days, which company or industry would you like to be sponsored by? Ooh, have you thought about that? Like, Maybe like the private jet company, like the, yeah, like go- a private jet company or like um, the free money company, like Cash for Gold. <laughs> cash for gold. Give me, give me gold give or me cash. <laughs> the private jet thing would be cool, like wheels up, like wheels up, like yeah. You know, we should really do some promotion in Hawaii about wheels. Okay, right. yeah, let's yeah. fly. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Uh, this is from Andrew, USC and UCLA. Can we all agree? Clay Elton was fired the second game because of the administration. Uh, knew a change was needed, but couldn't risk the team winning eight or 10 with the week schedule beating either UCLA or Notre Dame and then firing him wouldn't look as justified. Yeah, probably part of it. I mean, it, I, I think they they had uh, things in place where like, if he does this, he can keep his job. But it, it was basically like he was coaching for his job and then losing the Stanford game too was like, okay, you're not keeping it. Yep. And then for David Woods, is this UCLA team a one-year thing where everything comes together or after three years has Chip Kelly finally built the program to be successful this year and going forward. I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it kind of depends on how this year goes, I think. Um, if they truly put together a successful year, which I still think they have the potential to do, um, then it could spark uh, high school recruiting. Um, I think he's got a model now for a limited level of success um, with the grad transfer market and the regular transfer market. Um, but I don't think that is uh, the optimal way for UCLA to sustain success going forward. Um, so I think he needs a successful season to spark high school recruiting, and we'll see if that is still to come. 
Wait, did they? I thought they banned high school recruiting on campus. I right? thought they did too for UCLA. <laughs> uh, that seems to be apparent, and they did it long before COVID too. Um, yeah. So, all right. Uh, missed review. Did we talk? Did we read that one? No. All right. So this is from uh, Jeremy in Mapleton. Fellows, last week you skipped over my five star review, thinking you had read it in the week before. You didn't. I was going to let it go, but since the Devils fan emailed about Wreck It Ralph again, let's read it. <laughs> Uh, best and the worst. This is from Great Day to Be a Ute. Uh, this podcast really is the best and the worst. To give an example that illustrates both, they will read anything that readers email in. One can cut and paste a large section from the Wreck-It Ralph <laughs> Wikipedia, and they will just read it, even if they haven't seen the movies. Speaking of Wreck-It Ralph, David really needs to watch the movies. The second movie has several scenes of the dozen Disney princesses together in the same room, offering some very meta-commentary. As far as I can tell by listening to the podcast, David is only there for his knowledge on Disney princesses and possibly for some occasional obscure presidential history. Frankly, this is a disappointing gap in his understanding of the Disney princess canon. <laughs> All right. You've convinced me. I got to watch Wreck-It Ralph. Nice. Uh, this is a text message. So two questions. First is for Ryan. Please list your top five coaches you would most be excited for as USC head coach, being mo- uh, one being the most, and they have to be somewhat reasonable. Saban isn't coming to USC. Uh, okay, real quick, I'll do so. Urban Meyer, like, would be the like he leaves Jacksonville after a few games and comes over. Um, I'm probably gonna go with James Franklin. Like, I do like him. Some people don't like him. Okay, I'm I'm good with him, and probably Ty, Matt uh, Campbell, Luke Fickle. And they don't I, seem like fits to me, honestly. Yeah, it's a, like they they've been good. Franklin seems like a fit. I just don't know if you can prime from Penn State. Yeah, and then uh, after that. Maybe like Chris Peterson go in go with him. Yeah, but is he? Nah, he's not coming he's not back. Really and fit. also, he's not a fit. Kalani Sataki. Let's go. Kalani Sataki. What the hell? Or yeah. I mean, frankly, that that Fresno State dude, Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer. Like he looks good. He yeah, he looks like he's a legit coach. Like somebody who's going to bring some toughness to the program. Yeah. Um. And the second question for both of you: If you're forced to bet your house on who is going to be hired, who would your bets be? Thanks for all you do. I've been listening for years. And I appreciate the podcast. I'm gonna go fickle. Yeah, that's probably the safest just because it's already happened. Yeah. Um, Matt Campbell's already out of Power 5. I think he's even less of a fit than Fickle is. Um, so, yeah, I'll, yeah. Go, I'll go Fickle. That's a tough one. You don't want to bet the house on that because it's... No, I think the field is still the, the bet here. Yeah. Um. All right. This is from uh, Drag Racing Duelist. Washington State coaching. With the Wazoo fan base and community in general wanting Rolovich out over his actions as coach as well as the COVID-related problems, what about bringing Alex Grinch back as head coach? He has a connection to Wazoo. He's young, full of energy, and can bring back swagger to the Palouse. Anyone who can make Washington State a top 25 defense the way he did deserves a shot at the head job, and with no real path to the head job at OU, it would be wise to snag him before someone else does. Interesting. Um, I mean, if there ends up being an opening, I mean, I'm always reluctant to hire coordinators. Like if you can get someone with experience at the head coaching spot. Um, but I think it's a name that would probably come up, you know, he's done a pretty good job there. I would do it just because he did indeed make that defense good at Washington state. And if you have the formula for doing that, oh, why the hell not? Yeah. Uh, Bruin Mike wrote in is Jed fish. All right. Mm. Okay. Uh, it seems like Jed Fish is aging rapidly. Do you think he regrets taking the Arizona job? Doesn't it seem like a tough job? Do you think it's sucking his life force? I think if you become a head coach, it does suck your life force no matter what. Absolutely. And you lose the NAU, it, it probably sucks a little more. Like you, years are uh, taken off your life. Uh, what's his out from this job? Get them to six and six in year four and move on to where? 
who's going to hire him for that? Kansas? He's going to he's going to look older than Herm by then. And then bonus question: Aren't there? Uh, I'm sorry. Aren't Homer sports Homer sports fans horrible? I am one. We all are. How do you guys stand your customers? I'm thinking of some specific examples. Uh, one Trojan host of the Pactful podcast recently repeatedly arguing that the smart move for everyone involved in the conference is to make it easy for his team to get to the playoff. <laughs> I'm saying that's. Do you really think I'm a homer about this stuff? Like Jesus. Okay. Uh, when Washington blocked the immediate eligibility of transfer to UCLA, that many Husky tweets and message board posters post that if it it doesn't matter because he was only going to be the third string quarterback anyway, like that is a criteria we should all use. And then Washington State Nick Rolovich supporters, who you know deep down are totally against the, the terrible example he is uh, setting, but uh, are all hold on now. We don't know his reasons. Let's not jump to conclusions until he loses. They will turn up, uh, turn on him ruthlessly. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work, Brew and Mike. Thoughts? Um, yeah, Jedfish does look like he's aging rapidly, uh, yeah. but he also like is a forty-five-year-old dude who wouldn't have had a head coaching opportunity unless Arizona was desperate. So I think he's fine with it. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Ryan is a big honk. That's, that's I, I think we can all agree I pick on against that. USC all the time. Yeah, but just a big honk in the long run on USC. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I actually haven't noticed that from the Washington State fans that much. No, it seems like they're actually in agreement that Nick Rolovich needs to go. I saw more from Arizona State fans about this investigation. Like, there's a lot yeah, of Washington no. State people fans. in Arizona generally are real. Like, um, they will self-immolate on the funeral pyre for their head coach. Yeah, like the Sean Miller Arizona fans was that was whoa that was a cult that was a full cult there was a big on um, and uh, the ASU Herm thing isn't quite at that level but it's you know whatever and I would say like I'm more of an advocate for helping the top teams in the conference USA happens to be one of them but like this is going to help Oregon this yeah, year no it's objective but George Klavkov agrees <laughs> so just so you're saying just so you know yeah yeah um. Yeah, well, uh, the thing with the Arizona fans, I just want to make this point, is um, I think with UCLA and USC, we are so used to and comfortable with um, just immediately turning on a coach like whenever like anything goes even slightly wrong. Fire him. <laughs> Fire him now. <laughs> Why are you waiting? He lost the game. Are you kidding? Um, that uh, seeing like some like basically willing to go down with the ship for just like some dude, some random dude right. getting paid $5 million to coach your school. It's like. What are you doing? He didn't like win a national championship. No, he hasn't done anything for you. Yeah. Sean Miller didn't even make a Final Four. What are you doing? <laughs> um, so anyway, all right. Text message. Uh, so with UW's offense looking like butt, do you expect that they'll return to their bread and butter Jake based offense? Any chance the dean of the Jake Corps gets an NCAA COVID waiver for a ninth year of eligibility, <laughs> and he has a picture of Jake Browning uh, holding uh, some roses? Um, Again, I think it should be noted Dylan Morris's middle name is Jacob, and if he would simply go by Jake Morris, he would be a lot better. Right, but Jake Hayner, obviously, that they you, lost a Jake. I they mean, lost a Jake, and they didn't need to lose a Jake. A baller, Jake. Yeah, no, Jake Hayner. Uh, he, a baller. He looks like uh, what you would want Jake Browning to be. Okay. Um, a are vehicles at risk of losing coverage in order to prevent our extended warranty from expiring. Okay, Dave, please either teach Ryan how to pronounce the word hierarchy or teach him how to not use words he can't pronounce. Thank you, Kathy. Oops. I don't remember you saying hierarchy, but you just said it perfectly right now. Uh, what did I say before? I don't know. What did you say before? 
Oops, I mean, not to use words he can't pronounce. So she had a mistake in her yeah, no, grammatical. It, yeah, uh, no, critiquing you and then making a mistake. That's no way to live through life. you got to be like me. I'll critique Ryan, but I never make any mistakes. So wait, how would you say it? So uh, hierarchy. hierarchy. You, you, Hier- so are you putting, I say hierarchy or like hierarchy. Oh, you say hierarchy? So, like I didn't even like, hear it. Okay, yeah. Hierarchy. Hierarchy, yes. Yeah. So yeah. You put a little. Ec- you're, 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 you're say, you got to say all the syllables. All the syllables, yeah. yeah. You kind of like shorten it. Okay. Yeah. All right, this is from uh, Hithliday. Uh, oh, good, you get it. Claro y oscuro. What a gritty, gutsy performance by the Bruins, winning the fourth quarter 20-14, to 14, facing down Heisman frontrunner Jake Hayner and pulling out the win almost. I think they've found their man, extend Chip Kelly. Oh, Hithliday, I'm hoisted by my own petard, good sir. Uh, <laughs> last week I asked who should coach Oregon after Mario Cristobal. By habit, you boys released your terrible and invisible id across... <laughs> The podcast landscape like it was out there for, with Ryan invoking natural hierarchies, the foundational defect of conservative thought, and David reaching limply for the graven image of Jim Mora. When the atavistic storm subsided and your egos resumed control, the question was left unanswered, so I'll ask again, what Pac-12 coaches, if any, would be a good fit if Oregon has a vacancy or should the Ducks start looking nationwide? I'll tell you who. Jonathan Smith. He's 30 miles away in Corvallis. Yeah. I mean, maybe Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake would be a good one. <laughs> Nick Rolovich. You go get your... Hitler uh, Day, you asshole. <laughs> nice Hitler Day. Uh, let's see. This is a text message. Hey, guys. While watching the Beavers punch Idaho in the mouth and kick them while they're down, my mind drifted to this pleasant thought. Beavs upset Oregon and win the North. Thoughts? A way too optimistic Beaver fan, Brent. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They beat him last year. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> whatever. Why not? It's a freaking Pac-12. Jonathan Smith is probably the best pound-for-pound coach in the league. So why not? Uh, yeah. I mean, like literally won last year. Beat yeah. them last year. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But, like, be be optimistic. Uh, needed to beat that Purdue team. They're yeah. Watching that game. Needed obviously. to win that game. Yeah. All right. This is from our man, Matthew, who runs our league. So we'll give him due respect. Uh, is Stanford still butt and or garbage? Hi, Ryan and Dave. The two of you are on the record as saying that Stanford is butt and or garbage. You didn't change your position after the USC game, and I suspect you still have not changed your position after the Vanderbilt game. So I'd like to ask you to go on the record. How many wins does Stanford need to achieve this year in order for you to publicly retract your positions and acknowledge the error of your ways? If they do achieve this, I'd like to request another musical performance by Dave. This time, quote, the Dirty Golden Bear. I'm sure the three Cal listeners would love it. Thanks, Matthew from Mountain View. Matthew from Mountain View. Um... Yeah, so like Colorado fans were getting on me early for predicting that they were going to be butt, and mm-hmm. they were butt, so that's good. Arizona fans didn't care, like they were going right. to be butt. Uh, Stanford, you know, I, I said this s- early on. Seven wins will have to be it for me. If they get to seven, then I'll say they're comfortably not butt. That'll mean they have a winning record in this very, very bad Pac-12. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I would even maybe go six. Like, I, I thought they'd be Wait, worse. Wait, six than wins that. would do it. Sorry. Yeah, six wins. Yeah. Is long, basically, my criteria is them having a winning record in this bad Pac-12. Go, yeah, go bowling or whatever. And, Five and four in the league, if, even if that comes with a loss to Notre Dame or whatever, that's fine. Yeah. Um. So they're they're definitely look better than what I thought, and it's usually that way with Stanford. Like if you think they're going to be down or up, and they were better last year, but it was a weird kind of stuff. I would not, you know, put a whole lot of stock into what's happened so far. So this is, uh, I still think Stanford's okay, going to so lose some games. I will dial it back. They're not, but and the reason they're not, but is that they might actually have a quality that's like top four in the league which is passing offense yeah 
Like, so I, I don't think they're butt anymore because uh, Tanner McKee is better than I expected and their receivers are better than I expected. Um, so I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. But they're probably going to end up being like a six and six. Yeah. Team, mediocre, but not which butt. is better than I thought. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks, man. Oh, that was, did you read that one? Yes. I did. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Alfred. What if champions, what would Colorado's record be if Sam Norrie was their starting quarterback? Ooh. Ooh, hmm. I don't know that it would be any better because my, I'm I'm now on record as saying I don't think it's the quarterback. I don't think Brendan Lewis is great, um, but I don't think I mean Sam Neuer might have been able to like bulldoze him a little bit playing basically fullback at quarterback. But yeah, I don't know if that would have gotten them a, wouldn't have gotten them a win against Minnesota. That's thirty nothing. Sure. It was thirty nothing. He said Neuer may not be an excellent quarterback, but last year he had fire, grit, and determination that you need for a program like Colorado, a la Stefalufal. I don't see any of that in Lewis. Colorado's offense is not just one bad quarterback. The offensive line is leaky. The play calling predictable and injuries are piling up. But if, uh, but I think if Neuer was out there trucking over people, this offense would score more point score more than zero fucking points. Uh, long live Pac-12 chaos from Alfred. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Texas A&M could they win that with Sam Neuer? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe you win one more game right now. Yeah. I don't think it fixes your fundamental issues, though. Um, I think no. that scheme, the scheme, the offense just generally is bad. Yeah. All right. Um, now we're moving on to Joshua. Uh, if you can't beat him, join him. So this weekend, games went exactly as expected, right? I love the juice USC now has. It's almost like one thing and one thing only has been holding them back for a decade. For half a decade. <laughs> Do not disperse. <laughs> I, I didn't know Keaton Slovis had been there that long. Um, good thing UCLA is still undefeated and looking like a top five team. Right, David? Mm. This came on Monday, so this was after the weekend's uh-huh. games. Speaking of Fresno, how did Jake Hayner get away from UW? I mean, his name is Jake. He should have been given the starting job on that alone. Now they are starting some kid named Dylan, and we all see how that's going. Brock Heward better take his kid to the courthouse and change his name to Jake with a quickness if UW wants to have a winning season next year. I love it. Love nice it. one. Thanks, Joshua. Um, this is uh, from Doug. Uh, I think it's a Duck fan. There's a Duck um, <laughs> yes, avatar. I think it's, you're correct. Dante Williams is the subject. Hey, fellas, full disclosure, I'm a Duck homer who is based – I'm sorry, who is biased when it comes to Dante. The bias being – He's a weasel who negatively recruits the hell out of the Ducks. That being said, until he starts landing the beef up front, I'm not worried. He can take his classes full of DBs and play seven-on-seven with Harrell in their soft, gimmicky, panty-raid system. What's bothering me, though, is the USC fan base who fails to realize Dante is reading directly from the interim head coach media playbook. We're going to get more disciplined, going to be a more disciplined team going forward. Competition is going to be emphasized. No job is safe. Got to build team unity, blah, 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 blah. Makes me want to vomit. Ryan, please tell me you're not buying this. Um, I mean, I think you have to go from the playbook of interim head coach, but I don't think he's going to be considered to be the head coach. But he's got 10 games to coach, at least at USC, right? What if they go undefeated in that time? You saw what I... I don't think they're going undefeated. Ryan, I still don't Ryan, think. Ryan. I think it would have to like make the playoff, like literally. Well, if they go undefeated, okay, so they go undefeated in conference play, and then they win the Pac-12 title game. I mean, then even though it's a joke, you kind of have to consider it. You don't just uh, honestly. I don't think they can just consider it. I think they would actually have to do it. Yeah, which like, is the, so funny. It would be fun, like, but you would have like you would have made the playoff then. Like that's the thing. 
So it's like a reward for making the playoff? I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm not like I'm not making that call, but and I don't think that's going to happen. But outside of that, I don't think he would be considered. Um, so I know Doug hates Dante, but you're thrust into this job. Like he literally didn't know he was walking into the team meeting. And he they did do something. Up. The the stupid thing about like you can't wear hats or hoodies. What's yeah, that? that's stupid. Uh, it's funny. I talked to Taj Washington, the Memphis transfer, and he's like. Yeah, we weren't allowed to wear hats or hoodies. Like so. Oh, and Memphis is like some great saying, friggin' like, example. It's so, but they would like walk on the logo and like he put things around the logo, oh, um, so you can't walk on like just stuff like just changing things. That was one of the issues with Clay Helton. It was like there was always a schedule, and you just did the same thing. And it's funny. I have Harvey Hyde, old yellow cloud guy. I love Harvey, you know, but he coached in the eighties at UNLV. But some of the stuff makes sense when he's like, everyone was just like you know, basically, you know, doing nothing at practice. And he would do something crazy. Like all the assistant coaches go in like, and I'm coaching the entire team. <laughs> like, like that gets a kid's attention. Like it might, I don't know if effective it is, but if you're just doing the same thing over and over, or we were terrible today, full pads tomorrow. Like, so you go into your locker and like, Oh, full pads. We never do full pads on Wednesday. You know, just doing something different. Like Clay Hilton never changed anything, you know? So but that's why you saw so much consistency on the field. <laughs> yes. So, like, I get what you're saying, Doug, but just, Dante, I mean, Dante, I think, had to do something different. There was just such, you know, and there wasn't a lot of accountability. But he says, P.S., I love nothing more than USC remove his interim title, or as Dave so widely suggested, hire Mr. Del Rio. But unfortunately, I don't think the boner is that stupid. He's talking about Mike Bone, USC's athletic director. Boner. Love the show. Go Ducks from Doug. All right. This is from John and Brea. This hurts. Uh, dear Dave and Ryan. I used the bye week to order some UCLA gear. Arriving Saturday morning just in time for the game, I unpacked and put on my replica Erica, Eric Ball's 1986 UCLA Rose Bowl jersey, complete with Rose Bowl patch on the shoulder. I was all in. Little did I know that also included in the box, free of charge, was 35 years of heartache. I'm 35 years old, John. Uh, I'm hurting. I can't even find the energy to complain about the Sun Devils other than wonder what was with those uniforms that looked like something Liza Minnelli would have worn to a Met Gala. Enough with the alternative uniforms. With each penalty, the glitter only accentuates the lack of preparedness. I'm wallowing in existential angst, and my only hope is that Jackson Dart actually is Sam Darnold with eye black. If only they could play Washington State every week, while at the same time understanding that the worst thing that can ever happen to USC is to have a successful interim head coach. I could barely muster up a question for you this week. What is the future of the Pac-12 South? A world of 11 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. kickoffs? The sideshow to real football being played in other parts of the country? Should I just say yes next Saturday when my wife asks if we can go drive down to San Diego to visit her sister-in-law? Help me, Podcast of Champions, for my only hope, John and Brea. <laughs> awesome, John. Um, yeah. First three games, Pac-12 Network, Pac-12 Network, Pac-12 Network. Uh, but four Pac-12 North teams, only uh, two Pac-12 South teams. So I don't know, maybe the TV networks are giving the Pac-12 South a little more credit they deserve. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. We don't know what to tell you, John. I'm sorry that you switched to alliances there and uh, got burned. But Dave, Dave's sympathetic with you. I am. I am. <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it's rough. Uh, the Pac-12 South, bad shape. Very bad shape. I'm gonna see John tomorrow morning. How are you? Is he? Uh, hey, do it. We're gonna do a tailgate party. Uh huh. At the Coliseum. Uh huh. He's a Trader Joe's guy. He's gonna uh, provide us some product for the tailgate party. So That's great. Thanks to thanks to John. Go John. John he's and been, Brian. He's been awesome. The man, the myth, uh, legend. Do you want me to read this one? Because oh, it's very long. Oh yeah, go and ahead. It's from a it's from a UCLA guy. Oh go go ahead. Holy crap! The critique of pure fandom. This is from uh, the Ghosts of Bruins Past. 
Most esteemed Ryan and Dave, as a dog returns to its vomit, so does a UCLA football fan return to hope and optimism. For reasons that cannot be explained, numerous pundits, fans, and people whose job it is to have a college football opinions for money all somehow managed to convince themselves that UCLA would not only beat Fresno State, but that they would cover the spread and moreover compete for the Pac-12 championship. Some people, who shall remain nameless, broadcasted such unwise opinions in broad daylight all in the year of our Lord 2021. I am not sure what sort of collective delusion was necessary to induce mass psychosis on this level. Has no one watched UCLA football before? Has everyone forgotten the sheer staggering incompetence and failure that has gripped the program and advice for over 23 years now? Did they think all of that magically went away because they beat up an over- overrated, poorly coached LSU team playing its first game of the season on the road as an ongoing natural disaster ravaged their homes? The performance against Fresno State should not have been surprising to anyone. Dave's increasingly despondent live tweeting of the event indicated he too could see the writing on the wall just like the ill-fated King Belshazzar. The simple fact of the matter is that Fresno State loss is the platonic form of UCLA football. It is the UCLA game that <laughs> it is the UCLA game that than which no greater UCLA game could be conceived. It is the UCLA game that exists eternally in the mind of God <laughs> and from which all other UCLA games derive their being. It's like the the rib. Like <laughs> yes, it is. It is the uh, the apotheosis of UCLA football. I, too, allowed myself to get excited and to believe, if only because Dave and so many other UCLA fans did, too. It makes sense that the national media, with its goldfish-like memory and its general ignorance of West Coast football, could be duped into thinking UCLA would not play like UCLA this year. But I've watched this team since the 90s, and I should have known better. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Ron Dane rushing for 8,482 <laughs> yards and 62 touchdowns in the 1999 Rose Bowl. A 52-14 blowout against unranked Arizona in 2005. An honest-to-God, honest quote, quarterback controversy between Kevin Prince and Richard Brijo. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All these moments lost in time like tears in the rain. Jesus. Wow, he's going Rutger Hauer and Blade Runner. This is amazing. Um, perhaps we might cons- console ourselves by whispering sweet nothings about how Fresno State is very good that they nearly took down Oregon and Autzen, that they were a bad matchup for UCLA, or that it was unrealistic to think UCLA would go undefeated. But in the immortal words of Hal 9000, I'm sorry, Dave, I'm afraid I can't do that. I cannot allow hope to gain a foothold again. As such, I have outlined three options for UCLA fans. We must choose. Option one, follow in Sisyphus's footsteps and accept our punishment to keep on rolling a rock up a hill, aware that we will never reach the top and that it will, that it will roll back down again over us again and again for all eternity. We can take solace with Albert Camus like that even in the moment when the rock inevitably crashes back down and crushes us when UCLA face plants at home that we can still find meaning and even happiness in the endless futility. Two, to adopt the mantra of the Buddha that life is suffering and that to transcend the cycle of misery and despair that uh, besets humanity UCLA fans, we must transcend our desires, the source of our sufferings, and release our souls with perfect equanimity into nirvana. So I guess that's giving up fandom. I, th- I was like just walking away. Like just yeah, never... And then three, take the blue pill and watch the UCLA Stanford game at 3 p.m. this Saturday on the Pac-12 network. Which will you pick? Uh, interesting. Wow. I think number one and number three are the same for me. I will continue to understand that I am doing Sisyphean tasks. <laughs> Sisyphean tasks. Um, and watch the game on Saturday. So you're going to roll that rock right up the Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, uh, baby. Knowing this. Been, been doing it for 20 years. Why the hell not some more? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, John Abreu was picking two. Uh, he seemed like he's going to like take his kids to San Diego or something. I think he's right? given up, given up on his newfound UCLA fans. Um, yeah. Well, UCLA fans, let us know which one you pick. 
That was um, an incredible email. Sincerely, the Ghost of Bruin Past. P.S. Great show, guys. Best college football podcast around. I enjoy listening while I commute to work every Friday. Nice. Uh, thank you. Incredible. Um, incredible. That email. was a really good email. I mean, that was long. And uh, I mean, I'm staring at the screen. And my eyes are like, like blanking. Yeah, like no, I was, from... I was struggling by the end. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is from Aaron, USC coaching situation. Gentlemen, first of all, a big thank you to Dave for being the voice of reason by calling out all of the, quote, Clay Helton is a nice guy crap. The pundits relentlessly sprouted off uh, last week. Everyone knows this move was way overdue, and Helton made a crap ton of money on his way out the door. Why in the world should we feel sorry for him? I feel like uh, Magutu. Is that? I feel like Magutu? Magatu? Magatu on crazy pills. Who's Magatu? What am I? I don't know. Okay. Magatu on crazy pills after hearing the Yogi Roths of the world verbally caress Helton, the guy who literally sucked all the joy and hope out of the USC football program these last few years. Nice guy. Who gives a shit? To allude to the same movie, Helton's motto must have been ABC, always be a cockroach. Dave, it must have been uncomfortable for you being realistic about Helton for once instead of your usual sarcastic support for him. Uh, Now feel free to continue your mock suggestions for the coaching search. I mean, I really hate them. I really hate them, but I have no choice but to respect the humor. Uh, Here's my question. As it relates to USC, how much do you really think culture plays into how successful a coach can be? For so many years, we were told that USC needs a coach that, quote, gets USC or is, quote, an L.A. guy. Do we really just want a coach that gets football and leadership and program building? Thanks from Aaron. I think you start with the second, but I think you have to take fit into account. Um, It's USC. um, I think when it's at its best, you've got kind of a showtime guy um, at the helm. Um, these like Midwesterny dudes like Campbell and Fickle in particular, like, I don't think they're fits. I don't think they're outspoken. I don't think they're like guys who are going to dominate the like media market the way, because I think our model, our recent model is Pete Carroll, who uh, brought all the toughness and leadership and all that crap too. But he was also a glitzy dude. Like yeah. he was down to like do things just for the show of it. Um, and I think you need both at USC. I don't think it's an easy job. Like, I think there's easy factors of it. I don't think you have to worry about talent acquisition and stuff like that. But I think you do need to be like, you know, Clay Helton was never going to meet the moment. Even if he'd been a great coach, even if he'd been a fine coach, he was never going to, like, be the, like, the the head man that I think a lot of people at USC want. Yeah. Like, they want somebody who's going to be out there and be be outspoken. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think you want to get that program builder, but having... If you're someone that doesn't like to talk to the media, and I mean, you're in a, a pro town, so it's different than being in Ames, Iowa, right? Like, yeah. you have to, if James Vogel is speaking or whoever, you know, there's a lot of big time programs here. You know, there's Rams, there's, you know, the Dodgers, like all this stuff is going on. If you're just like, we're just not going to talk to the media, like it's not going to work the same way it would work if you were like Alabama's head coach where it doesn't matter because everyone's going to cover you anyway. Yeah, and USC is the one um, like Pac-12 school I can think of, like, and it's even just contrasted with like UCLA, where like even just the regular like practice scrums with the head coach get like TV cameras basically every single one. Like you've got people there all the time and people forget this, but like when Pete Carroll was rolling there, they they would have like for like the pregame the big pregame press conference it would be like a full room of media oh, like yeah. it was a coach hiring conference um yes. and that's just it's different it's just a little bit different at USC and i think you need to be able to have somebody who can meet that yeah Mugatu's um, the villain from Zoolander i never even saw the movie yeah me neither all right this is from uh Casey from Tacoma 
Hi, guys. KC from Tacoma. Uh, it's called Purgatory. Uh, my question is for Ryan, since you were likely watching the Washington State game this weekend, did it look like uh, did it look to you like we were outcoached given some of the play calls on offense and what appeared to be no change in game plan? It looks like pure crash and burn given our lack of explosive plays and ability to give up leads. I feel we are burning the base leech built. Also, how do you cope with a dead coach walking scenario without being depressed? I would ask Dave too, but as a UCLA fan, let's face it, he is the Bane character where we were, where we merely adopted the mediocrity and he was born into it. <laughs> Thanks and blank coogs. You know, they, early on, I thought Washington State was successful with Max Borgie and then sort of got away from that. Um, uh, I did feel like, you know, with Delora going down, that certainly hurt too. I think USC tried some blitzing stuff, and I think he was doing a pretty good job of identifying it early on. Uh, and then you got a backup quarterback in there and maybe not as much. And I think USC probably did some different stuff, but came out and like the game plan for Washington State was good. USC, which typically doesn't make adjustments, made a few, and then, um, yeah, I don't. It didn't seem like Washington State had an answer. It just sort of like when things are going right, like they can ride that way for a little while, and if something changes, it just seems like there's no answer on from the Coug. So I don't know, but I, Borgie's your guy. Like get him involved more. I would say, and you know, you're going to be in better shape. Yeah, and I would say as for the dead coach walking scenario, um, I'll, I'll I'll just tell you the truth. Yeah, you get doubly invested in rooting for losses. It's, you know, it's sick in the head a little bit if, like, you're especially like a dyed in the wool fan of your team. But, um, you know, you can just root for those babies to lose because that's the best way to get your coach fired. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been following UCLA for some time now. Um, and I've spent probably more years rooting against the team than for them. Um, <laughs> because of this very scenario. <laughs> Where you know the coach is not the guy, and uh, you need him gone as soon as possible. And uh, the best way to get there is a lot of losses. A lot uh, of big losses, too. Nice. Well, let's go wrap it up. <laughs> we got all the questions. We nailed it. We, we did this perfect timing. Hour and a half, yeah. I got to go do my meals. Yeah. Um, the old people, they want their food. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the conference slate of games this weekend. I am Ryan Abraham. That's David Woods. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Podcast of Champions. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.